0: Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It's a passage that um, I think we are all well acquainted with that uh, has an encounter that Jesus and his disciples had with a storm on the Sea of Galilee or Lake uh, Kinnereth, as it's often called in Israel today. So listen now to the Word of God. From Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. After leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come and move in uh, the lives of all those who are listening to these words today. Thank you, God, for this gift of technology. How I I could not have ever imagined when I started out in ministry 37 years ago that we would be worshiping in this way. I would have never imagined, Lord, that we would, would have to cancel worship because of an epidemic. But here we are. Here we are, Lord, confessing to you in so many different ways that we need you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and help me uh, today to share a word of encouragement and hope and exhortation. and, And come and strengthen our resolve to be a people of hope who are committed to obeying you and following you and being faithful to you even during times of storm. In this we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the closest that uh, I've ever come to a NDE, a near-death experience, was in a thunderstorm over 30 years ago. My district superintendent was somewhat responsible, and I'm not going to name him for that reason, but I just started a brand new appointment in Cookville, Tennessee, which as you all know made the headlines uh, 12 days ago when uh, an EF4 tornado tore through that community, destroyed 150 homes, damaged 700 businesses, and took the lives of 19 people. My DS offered to arrange for my family An airplane ride so that we could see our new home the city of Cookville. The boys were preschoolers ages four and five. Uh, The pilot was a good Methodist owned a jewelry store in town and had a four passenger single-engine Cessna. When we met the pilot at the airport the skies were beginning to get dark to the west and he checked his weather report listened to the radio. He even had some kind of gadget in the plane that was a lightning detector. And after checking that, he said, I think everything's okay. We're going to go. We weren't going to be up, but just for a few minutes anyway. And um, since we had canceled this flight earlier because of weather, he decided to go for it. There wasn't room in this small plane for the superintendent, so he stayed in his car and he took a nap. And uh, Connie and the boys climbed into the back seat, and I was up front, had the headphones on with the little microphone. It was uh, a very cool experience. But just a few minutes into the flight, the skies began to get darker, and the lightning detector just suddenly began to light up. There were strikes all around us. And I could tell that the pilot was getting worried. He debated what to do. Should we turn around and go back to the... uh, the airport there in Cookville, or should we make a run for a neighboring town? He decided to turn around. Well, the turbulence picked up the closer we got to the airport, and so did our praying. Jared, who was only five at the time, um, asked me point blank. He said, Daddy, are we going to die? I said, No, Jared, we aren't going to die. But I wasn't so sure. (laughs) I mean, all I could do was pray the Lord's Prayer. I couldn't even find the words to pray, and I just kept saying the Lord's Prayer over and over again in my mind. Well, after several tense minutes, we made our approach for landing. And, uh, I mean, the rain was thunderous, and the plane was just being tossed back and forth and up and down, and we hit the runway hard. The pilot breathed a sigh of relief, and he said, that was close he pulled the plane over to a nearby hangar and we waited out the storm and when it was all over we found my district superintendent sound asleep in his car he was oblivious to the storm and to our near-death experience well even with modern weather forecasting and all the gadgets and gizmos and tools they have The fact is that that human beings are still at the mercy of unexpected violent weather as they saw in Cookville, Tennessee just a couple of weeks ago. Storms can come out of nowhere in the air or on the sea. And this is what happened in Mark chapter 4 with Jesus and his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. A storm came out of nowhere. Life can be like that, can it? We all understand that, those of us especially that have been here for a while. And here in the last week since December, this novel coron- uh, coronavirus, which uh, there are many coronaviruses, uh, one causes the common cold. But this novel or new, never seen before coronavirus jumps from presumably an animal species, to humans killing already nearly 6,000 persons in our world. The largest daily drop in the Dow Jones Industrial Averages um, occurred last Thursday, just this past week, losing 2,352 points on Thursday, or 10% of the value of the stock market march madness has been canceled for the first time in history and there are a lot of kentucky fans that are sad about that schools are closing for the next couple of weeks Uh, you can't even go to church right all kinds of storms are brewing some severe some mostly inconvenient but they have come out of nowhere we could not have predicted this just two weeks ago. The Sea of Galilee is a large freshwater lake that's located in northern Israel. It's about 13 miles uh, long and about six to seven miles wide. And um, I've been on it four different times in a boat. Once during uh, a rain and windstorm. It was not a severe one, but it gave me a little bit of a taste of what was happening here in Mark chapter 4. If you've not been on the Sea of Galilee to the east uh, is Syria modern-day Syria and the Golan Heights and when cool strong winds drop off those steep steep cliffs of the Golan onto that warm water in the Sea of Galilee which is I think 6 to 700 feet below sea level and it's got a kind of a subtropical climate when that cool air hits that warm water it, it can cause storms to erupt, violent storms where the waves will reach highs heights of six to ten feet. It can be very dangerous to be in a small boat, as Jesus and the disciples were when this happened. Now we know of at least four of the twelve disciples were fishermen. Some say as many as seven had experience uh, vocationally in fishing and they all knew about these storms they had watched for them closely in the past but for some reason they were really surprised by this one they thought they might die and so they woke jesus up who was was in the back of the boat sleeping uh, and asked incredulously teacher do you not care that we are perishing of course not everyone feels this way when they encounter a storm but honestly, there are times when we wonder, where is God when the wheels have come off the bus, when the boat is going down in a storm? How are you handling this current crisis? I will admit it's been a challenging week for me personally as a pastor. I know many are struggling to make sense of this and, and to know who to believe and uh, what to do, how careful, how precaution, what kind of precautions really need to be in place. You know, the bottom line for most of us is that our homes are secure, we've got plenty to eat, and lots of toilet paper on the shelves, right? <laughs> so we're probably going to be okay. However, this is a terrible time for some people. Uh, it, it is uh, a, a, a really strained and an awful time for people who live from paycheck to paycheck, who suddenly their income has dropped dramatically or they've they've been sent home. An anonymous admonition uh, was posted this week on the Internet that says this. I'm, I'm sure some of you saw it. I posted it on the church's Facebook page a couple of days ago. But listen to these words. May we who are merely inconvenienced Remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those who are vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when schools are closed remember those who have no options. May we who have have to cancel our trips, remember those who have no place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market, remember those who have no margin at all. May we who are settled in for a quarantine at home, remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love During this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other, let us find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. This epidemic presents some incredible opportunities for ministry to struggling, fearful people who are far more important than than us being able to worship for a couple of Sundays or come to an event or a meeting here at church I hope you'll remember this and that you will ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see the needs in the lives of people around you and and be able to do something to mitigate that pain that suffering and loss there are three things I, I've learned from this passage that I want to say to you this morning as this epidemic unfolds. Number one, we should not be surprised when storms blow up. Certainly this one is on an epic scale, a historic scale. The disciples, they seemed puzzled by this experience, even though it was surely one that they had encountered many times on the Sea of Galilee, uh, on that stormy lake. Maybe they thought Jesus um, would, would... help them, would, would get them through this time of trouble if something occurred since he was there in the boat with them. And sometimes we assume that God is going to be there for us and protect us and shield us from trouble. Peter, the fisherman, would write many, many years later in his first letter to the early church these words. Listen to what he says. This was a church under persecution. People were dying for the faith. Tremendous hardship and pain. And he says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Be very glad, Peter says, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world i am of the deepest conviction that god has allowed this pandemic to sweep around our world to wake us up to turn hearts even nations toward god this is a moment for the church to step up to reach out and to care for the least of these jesus told the disciples many times that following him would involve suffering and sacrifice i mean we as as jeremy pointed out we're in this season of lent in which sacrifice and self-denial are are the hallmarks of of these six weeks before easter among his last words to the disciples jesus said in john uh, 16 i've told you these things so that in me you may have peace In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble, he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Second thing I want you to remember is that we are in this together. I read a story, an unbelievable story, yesterday about a Tennessee man from the Chattanooga area who, who, when this crisis began back at the beginning of March got in his truck pulling a U-Haul and traveled all over Tennessee and Kentucky buying up at every Dollar General store he could find all remaining hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes. He ended up with nearly 20,000 bottles. 20,000! And he began to sell them on Amazon.com and eBay at, at grossly inflated prices until he was stopped. And now he's complaining to the New York Times that he has 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer and nowhere to sell them. I'm thinking he ought to consider giving them away. What do you think? This is not a time, folks, for us to panic, to hoard, to 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 preserve our own self-interest and safety. All 12 of the disciples were crowded into this one fishing boat with Jesus. They were and we all are in this together. Something that I learned many years ago that, that I, I came to mind this week that I think is so helpful to remember is that although United Methodists don't use the word knave in our vocabulary on a regular basis, The the area between the narthex, or some people would call it the foyer of the church, and the chancel, or the altar area where the communion table is located, that area where the congregation sits in safety is literally and figuratively uh, a place of refuge. It is called the nave, and the word nave is a naval word. It's where we get the word navy and naval and navigate. And it represents that safe place on a ship. And it ought to be the safe place where we as the people of God find encouragement when we are together. And we take that for granted. And we make excuses for not showing up. And uh, we'll opt for something else, maybe sleeping in uh, instead of coming to church. And today we find we can't come and some of us are grumbling and complaining about it. We're upset. We can't be in the nave together as a community of faith. Uh, As the people of God, this is a time for making sacrifices without complaint. It's a time for loving one another. It's a time for serving one another as the body of Christ, even as the church is scattered for a season. And then finally, I just remind you of something that I know you all know, but it's easy to forget. I forget it sometimes, but... You know what? Jesus is in the boat with us. He is here with us. God is for us. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat as the disciples worried that they were about to perish in a storm. He told them not to worry, then commanded the storm to stop. He stilled the sea. This is a great story about the power of God At work through the Son of God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has the power to calm the greatest storms you and I will ever face. All of us find ourselves in a storm from time to time which threatens to take the wind out of our sails or to knock us out of the boat. But Jesus brings peace to us in the midst of a storm. He says to us, you are not alone. I am here. Listen again to Mark. 439 through 41 Jesus woke up he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea peace be still then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm he said to them why are you afraid have you still no faith And they were filled with great awe, Mark says. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I don't know about you, but I had rather be in a storm with Jesus than to have a storm-free life without him. Jesus says to us, Why are you so so afraid? Uh, Have you still no faith? May we be filled with the same awe as the disciples. As we look to Jesus, who is this Savior, this Lord, this Master of our lives that even the wind and sea obey Him? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. Have mercy on our nation have mercy on our world amen amen